0: people that generally associate Bolivia with the Andes, but actually a third of the country lies within the Amazon basin. In in my opinion, it's the best part of South America to explore the Amazon um, because it's it's easier to visit access. You know, anyone who's familiar with a a map of South America will know that Bolivia sits in the um, sits in the middle, but I didn't really know that much about about the country at the time. But as soon as I crossed the border, and traveled around for, um, you know, for, for for a few weeks. I, I was absolutely captivated by the place. But you yeah. go up a little bit in altitude there, and then you can go on to Sucre, which again is a, is, is another mm. rise in altitude, but not so severe. And then once you're in Sucre, you can uh, prepare yourself for either Potosi or for La Paz or for Slardier Uni, or indeed for Latest, to bus journey, or an incredible and most spectacular Flight from the Paz. Now I try not to encourage people to take internal flights as much as possible, mm. but this flight is absolutely it's only half an hour, but it takes you up over the Andes and then you just oh. see the Andes collapse into the foothills into the, and then into the uh, the Amazon Basin.
1: Welcome to the Wingin' It Travel podcast with me, James Hammond. Every Monday I'll be joined by guests to talk about their travel stories, travel tips, backpacking advice and so much more. Right now I'm taking the podcast on the road travelling with me. So tune in every week for short form episodes detailing all my travels alongside my Monday guest episode. Are you a backpacker, gap year student, or simply someone who loves to travel? Then this is the podcast for you, designed to inspire you to travel. There'll be stories to tell, tips to share, and experiences to inspire. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to this week's episode where I'm joined by Shafik Meji, an award-winning journalist, travel writer, author, editor, broadcaster, and photographer. We're going to talk about his book, Crossed Off the Map, Travels in Bolivia today, as well as other South American travels. Shafiq, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Uh,
0: thanks very much for having me on the uh, the show, James. I'm really looking forward to uh, talking to you.
1: Yeah, looking forward to chat big time. Where are you based
0: right now? Uh, so I'm speaking to you from South London. It's uh, uh, chilly and uh, grey here, disappointingly. So, um, But it'll be nice to be talking about more exotic and certainly warmer climes uh, a bit later on it's gonna get really cold next week, isn't it? Or next couple of weeks? I've read online. They Yeah, I mean, it, it has been it has been threatened. But um, okay. given that given given that we've just we've emerged from one of the hottest um, October's on record, followed by which I think was also one of the wettest October's on record. Um yeah, it's it's, it's increasingly difficult to um, to uh, to predict. But yeah, I, th- I think cold more cold weather is on its on its way. So um, yeah, that's something to look forward to for us Londoners. Yeah, I look forward to it when I come back next week. Lovely. Okay.
1: For most of the interviews I do, I'd like to go back to the start of time to get an idea where travel really came into your life. Uh, but initially, where did you go up and was there any early memories of travel?
0: Yeah, so so I I, I grew up in um, southwest London. I mean, living in southeast London at the moment, so I haven't, haven't moved too far away. Um, but, you know, but my earliest, my earliest memories are really, you know, family holidays, um, you know, my parents loved travel, and they really instilled that in my sister and I, so we would um, go away a lot in the UK. So, um, you know, North Wales, did a lot of swimming in cold in cold seas in, in North Wales, and actually loved <laughs> it and would stay on farms and that kind of stuff. But also going, you know, like, like kind of package, classic package ho- holiday stuff, going to Spain, going to, going to Greece, um, you know, and that really instilled in, in in me from a, a young age, a love of you know a, a love a love of travel, a love of eating you know different different types of food, a love of swimming in the sea, and a love of exploration. Um, yeah, and that kind of really really developed as I got older, and then obviously it's become uh, become a career uh, more recently.
1: The package holidays that you mentioned, I think we're roughly the same age, right? Um, I do recall in UK that they were quite cheap back in the day, where you could literally buy something. Uh, uh, I to say like 100 pounds or something and it gets you like a flight there and back maybe with like a little hotel for three or four days I, I don't know if I've got that maybe wrong but I do seem to recall that was a viable option if you had a little bit of spare income but nowadays it seems a bit bit crazy but back in the day I think it was an option
0: yeah I, I mean I, th- I I think it was during that period I mean certainly kind of like the 80s and 90s probably probably in the 70s as well that kind of you know the the package tourism really emerged and kind of you know democratized travel really for mm. a lot of a lot of people um and kind of helped to open up the world certainly from a uk perspective certainly certainly europe um and then kind of obviously a bit a bit more recently the you know cheaper flights we we're talking about budget flights mm. um, off air beforehand um but you know including including like long haul flights so um so yeah it it was kind of i think it was you know lucky to have grown up in in in, in that period Really, because it seems yeah. to be a bit of a sweet spot where you didn't have to be earning an absolute fortune to be able to take your f- family away on a summer holiday. Um, whereas, you know, just just looking at you know package holiday prices this year, you know, both both in the UK and, and further further afield, and flights in general, um, yeah, things are much much more expensive. So, uh, yeah, I think think I was, I was I was lucky 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 to be around at that time.
1: Yeah, I think. The post-Covid travels which, that we experienced this year was way more expensive than I anticipated, which was a bit of a shock, uh, probably hence why I'm finishing a little bit early, because I couldn't believe uh, actually how expensive it was, if I'm honest. Uh, maybe there's different ways of making it cheaper, but I'll come back to Heathrow and Stanford. The flight from Canada and off-peak is okay, like long-haul flight from Vancouver to London or Calgary to London. is like £150. It's ridiculous. But on the whole, I think it has got way more expensive, and I think um, that's been a bit of a shock this year. I don't know what you found maybe this year with travelling in general. but. Maybe they're catching up because of COVID. I'm not sure, but it seems to be in a direction where, oh wow, it is going that direction. It's going really expensive. It's quite tough out there. I think.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, you know, my my experience, both professional travels and also mm. also holidays, is just that you know prices have rocketed. Obviously, in in the UK and Europe, and I'm guessing in North America as well. Really, inflation has, you know, and energy costs have been have been a huge issue. Mm. You know, that's obviously had a knock on effect. On hotels and food and 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 obviously on on flights, there are definitely still ways to you know that that you can travel on a budget. You, you know you have to be a bit bit smarter, I guess, a bit savvy, yeah. and, and also you know as as has always been the case, if you if you if you got a bit more time available, if you can be a bit flexible mm-hmm. with things, um, you know, which obviously suits people who are backpacking or kind of you know people who are not tied to school holidays, um, you can still get. You know if not bargains and certainly better value deals, but um it's definitely a price um, proposition for people at the moment,
1: yeah, I wonder if it'll go down. you know like petrol goes up and you think oh it's just, it's just a phase, but it always stays up. <laughs> you do wonder yeah. is is travel now in that phase where it's gone up certain things is it going to come back down or are they going to keep at those prices but no, I guess that depends on inflation and and other costs, but I do wonder where it's going.
0: I mean, I, I I would like to be optimistic and say, yeah. yeah, I'm sure in a couple of years it'll come down and it'll yeah. be, you know, the 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 golden age golden age will be will be back again. Um, I suspect probably we just we just have to get used to um, kind of higher costs across the board, and um, you know, maybe maybe that's yeah, we have to be a bit more flexible with the way that we travel and mm. choose different de- destinations, and but undoubtedly maximize the trips that we do make. Really, because it's um, yeah. if if it's if it's a greater financial investment than um, than it was previously.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think it's people get a bit more cute about it. I think a way to maybe reduce costs and traveling, but not easy. Um, harder said than done. Uh, in terms of your early sort of travel career, if you like, um, was there like a trip maybe with your could be with your family or as a young adult where you really thought, oh wow, I do actually love doing this. Like it's probably something I would like to maybe do more in the future or even working.
0: Yeah, I mean it it was it was it was the, the family holidays definitely installed an early interest in travel, yeah. but throughout my teens, I you know, I wanted to be a sports sports journalist. I mean, I'm okay. a frustrated footballer, really. Are we all? When, that, yeah. when that didn't work out, <laughs> yeah. I wanted I wanted to write about it. I wanted to write about it. I thought that was the next best thing. So um, yeah, so I, I did a politics degree and then I did a journalism um postgrad diploma after after university and then I worked for the evening standard as a news and oh, yeah. news and sports yeah. reporter mm. um and I did that for about just over just over a year i mean i was i was the youngest person in the office at the time so i was doing 5am shift one week 5pm shift uh-huh. the next you know not super sociable yeah. Uh, but yeah i you know i was i was i was doing what i would wanted to to do i was covering football matches and cricket um matches and that kind of thing um but you know like one w- plus kicked in and um you know my girlfriend at the time was very keen to go traveling I hadn't taken a gap year um okay. but uh, but I thought you know kind of eventually itchy feet got too much and I thought well look, look I'll I resign let's go backpacking for you know the best part of a year so I went to India where I have some family heritage um and then spent almost six months um backpacking around South America and it was in South America a place I've been interested in since I was a kid and watching David Attenborough documentaries and um you know watching South American football teams at the World Cup and yeah. you know learning about ancient civilizations such as the Incas um it was during that that time in South America that I started writing my first travel pieces and I was an investor at user a user of um guidebooks you know uh, using Lonely Planet and rough guides um, mm-hmm. and it was it was at that time I thought wow I wonder who writes these books that would be a great job perhaps I can I can do it um so eventually the money the money ran out and I let <laughs> come back to London I thought well let's let, let's let us try and make a career shift and I you know contacted and sent letters and wrote sample chapters and phoned and 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 did all these things to every travel publisher you can think of and yeah yeah didn't really hear anything back at all um but and then out of the blue about eight months eight months after getting back and after a lot of banging my head against the wall um I, I got a email out of the blue from rough guides and a new editorial assistant had just started had found an unopened letter for me because I thought maybe if I've got a physical letter that might attract their attention a bit more than (laughs) an email um I was trying anything at that point anyway she found the unopened letter passed it on to um, one of the editorial directors who invited me in for a a meeting um and 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 that basically got my foot in the door um a few months later a chance opportunity came up on um, the rough guide to the Baltic States, sadly, sadly no longer, no longer with us. But um yeah, okay. I, and I'd happened to have been to Estonia a few times in the previous years, just on holiday. Um, so yeah, I jumped to the charge. and then, you know, that got me into guidebooks and I've done about 45 odd guidebooks over the last um wow. 14, 15 years or so. And that yeah. led into um uh, doing travel features and then, you know, for newspapers and magazines, and that in turn um led in led to me write my first book probably just see over the, over yeah. my shoulder yeah, yeah. uh which is um crossed off the map so yeah but, but it it was that that was guidebooks was really my route into the the industry oh, It's very interesting
1: i'm slightly in the same situation as we described a bit frustrated into eight months later coming in i'm, I'm just like pitching loads of stuff all the time a minute because i've just done a year's travels i think i've got quite a few interesting angles uh, but i'm not the best writer so there's a bit of imposter syndrome there but i'm just like Writing chapters, synopsis and stuff like that, then pitching emails, and like you say, you, you don't really hear anything much. I've had a few no's, which is fine. I actually appreciate them saying no because it means I've read it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's like planting seeds, isn't it? You just like plant them, and you you keep pitching out ideas, and hopefully one will just get you sort of in the door. And that's kind of the phase I'm in at minute, which I appreciate. I think being older actually helps because when you're younger, you do probably get frustrated about like, why well, it's not happening. But when you're older, you kind of appreciate it, it takes time, and you just need to. Putting a bit more of the world, you just need to keep pushing and pitching away, and I think that's a a key thing. Is it kind of links to the podcast as well. You just keep doing it, and keep plugging away. But yeah, that's kind of the phase of the minute. minute.
0: I, I mean, I mean, ab- absolutely. I mean, I mean, pitching is a thankless task in travel yeah. journalism, in any form of freelance journalism or, or or writing. And the the no's or or the silences or the no responses are more are more common than the, the than the yeses. But I, d- I think it definitely, as you say, it, it helps coming in perhaps a bit later. Mm. When you kind of, you know, you can step back from it, it is, you know, the, the rejections aren't, aren't personal, even though it often often feels yeah, of like that. Mm. Um, and But yeah, it's really, I mean, c- certainly from my own experience and from, you know, travel writer friends of mine, you know, it's just, it, there's no magic formula to it. So that nice. it's, it's kind of it's, it's persistence, hard work, and also a bit of luck. And, you know, and, and when yeah. the opportunities come along, it's just kind of grabbing them with both with both hands but um yeah definitely a, developing a thick skin for um for, for both pitching and the inevitable rejections is um yeah is kind of a, a key part of fighting and journalism in general
1: yeah no I think that's kind of I appreciate that and that's kind of where I'm at in a minute also with quick question because it's uh, got on a little tangent or a little bit is about football uh, what team do you support? I I'd sort of tell my friends that I retired at eight years old because I had a trial for Norwich City and then got rejected. <laughs> Actually, got told no in person. I don't know if you've ever had trials before, but they put you all in like lines and they read names out and like, well, these people can go home. And then at eight years old, you get told in front of everyone that you're going home. Uh, pretty humiliating a little bit. Um, been told you're not good enough. And that's, I think probably a fixed skin at eight years old. So I probably thought, ah, oh, bugger there, something, I'm not going to do it anymore. So I retired at eight years old. So who, who's your team and what's your. Background in sport because sport actually played an important part for me for travelling actually uh, in the early days.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, I think your experience at the trials has has, has given you a good experience of an early age for pitching. So, um, so <laughs> yeah, you can yeah, maybe ta- thank the coaches, <laughs> thank the coaches for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so my my team is Liverpool. I mean, I'm a South Londoner. The closest mm. team to me growing up was Crystal Palace, so I should be a Crystal Palace, Palace yeah. supporter. Yeah. Um, and Crystal Palace was the first, you know, the the first team that I used to go along with with a um a friend whose parents had season tickets. But mm. um, but I watched Liverpool play at Crystal Palace, and uh, yeah. you know, fell in love at a young, impressionable age. And um, you know, your football team, <laughs> you you is a decision you make an early age and it's early age, life. Yeah. so. Um, <laughs> So yeah, so yeah, so that was kind of you know, uh, you know, and I and I and I still I still love football now, and I you know I, I you know I've played all my life really, I still playing for and playing playing tomorrow um, as no. well, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, but it but but football definitely plays a part within travel, you know, mm. scrolling back to um, you know that first backpacking trip around South America, yeah, um, you know, one of the ways I was supporting myself and earning a bit of. Cash while I was out there as well as doing a few travel pieces was just writing regular um, bits of journalism and uh, one, one, of, one of the articles was on the Beach Football World Cup which was being oh. held on the Copacabana, Copacabana Beach, Beach. Yeah. in Rio Yeah, while I was there so that was that wow. was good fun um, yeah. Eric Cantona was in um, was in um, <laughs> he wasn't actually playing but he was one of the uh, uh helping to promote the the tournament yeah and you know and 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 lots of and I'm sure it's probably familiar you know something you'll be familiar as well with that there's being in hotel rooms or hostel rooms or trying to find a bar uh, odd times of the day or night trying to find a channel that's showing um showing showing the Premier League football or the international football (laughs) and actually and, and often that leads into kind of you know good um you know connections connections with people and i always like to watch the local teams as much as i can while i am mm. while, while i'm away i mean the, the the greatest stadium that i've ever been to is the maracanã in in rio Same, the original yeah. maracanã not the not the one that's been rebuilt for the yeah um, for the relatively recent world world cup but yeah you know lots and lots of lots of happy memories of watching various football games on um you know in 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 in, in bars and restaurants mm. and in areas of cities that i probably wouldn't have got to got to otherwise and yeah you know, uh, and uh, football is a great icebreaker even if you have yeah that's in common, true you no know, nothing else in common if you got no no real language in common um you know you can you can always make yourself understood through through football so um so it's played and continues to play a big part in my life
1: yeah I remember being in Puerto Rico once and I was I sport Ipswich so the problem with supporting a team in a second division like championship is that you're never really on TV if you support liverpool you might have a bit of an easier chance but anyway we, we're playing norwich as a derby as a Puerto rico it's probably at 7am in the morning I was like can i find anywhere so i'm running at a hostel running around san juan's the town like the capital city just cannot find anywhere no bar open no nothing so it's pretty devastating but it is a problem if you don't support one of the big teams and i do i actually went to the ashes in 2010-11 when we won it in australia which is a, a rare occurrence and that trip to australia because so I went there only because of the cricket, really, with my friends. Great experience. We won, and Melbourne was an unbelievable experience when we beat Australia. But just being in Australia actually sort of tickled the, the the travel wanderlust, really, and that changed my mind and life a little bit, actually, that trip. So sport does play an important part. And then, like, yeah, I went to 2014 World Cup, saw Messi score in American R. Probably the highlight of watching football um, in terms of, like, live games. That's pretty, it's pretty special in amongst Argentinian fans. They, he scored at my end. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But yeah, love sport, love football. I do wonder if there's like a niche. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen a sports travel podcast. Like combined, I, I do wonder if there's like a like that sort yeah. of podcast.
0: I, I mean, I I think there's definitely there's definitely space for one. I haven't I haven't come across one. There, there is um there is a book that I've seen online that looks really interesting, which is about um, visiting football, going to football matches around South America. Which and I oh yeah. Um, yeah forgive me, I forget the name of the author um but um i thought oh yeah that piqued my interest so i'm so I'm mm. going to read that at some point ah i think that i think there's 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 definitely there's definitely scope um for for podcasts and for more articles and probably books on 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 this subject because um yeah it's kind of it's it's it's, it's a universal and there's so many different stories to 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 explore south america one of my passions if you really want to understand any south american country virtually any south american country you know it's it's through it's through sports and pr- predominantly through football so um so yeah it's it's a, it's a great way to get a a feel for uh for a country yeah i think like sports and
1: football podcast is very saturated like there's a ton you can watch on youtube whatever i do feel like there's probably no space for that um, unless you're like specific to one club maybe or whatever but i do wonder if you just concentrate on the element of travel within sport as in like you go to watch a match American, Idol, where it's like combined, it's not like solely about the sport and the game. It's about you go to the game, what's it for 90 minutes, but what you're doing the rest of the time there, like that. I wonder if that combination could work. Yeah, it's quite an interesting one because I think we all read and hear about each of those things quite a lot travel and sport. But I wonder if you combine it together solely. And it's quite a niche topic. I don't know. i think about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely have a think about it. I mean, mm. I'll be tuning in if you, <laughs> if, if you get it up. <laughs> yeah.
1: Morning, yeah, certainly. Yeah. Writing perspective, were you always a writer? Was that always a thing you're interested in?
0: Yeah, I was always, you know, I I've I, I kind of loved writing from a from an early age. Um, you know, I enjoyed it at school, um, and kind of slightly atypically, for you know, for, you know as I, say, I knew what I wanted to do, or I thought mm. I knew what I wanted to do, which was be a sports reporter. <clears throat> so I worked on the um, at school, I worked on the the school paper. I was a sports editor of the school paper. Yeah. I was the um, the sports editor of my university. Um, uh, newspaper. I did all my work experiences experience during GCSE and A level. At uh, I did one at Sky Sports. I did which was which was great fun, and I did one at uh, Ninety Minutes Football Magazine. Oh yeah, sadly yeah. sadly departed, but yeah, a, uh, yeah. but a, a great magazine of its time. I always I was always keen. On, I was always keen on you know, newspapers, magazines, mm-hmm. writing, expressing myself kind of in 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 that way. And so even though the subject matter has changed um yeah kind of the the basic the basic level of writing has continued okay and i think we'll go into south
1: america because obviously that's probably a passion of yours and it is a mine I, I need to get back really but uh can we talk about bolivia so cross off the map your book uh first of all what was the idea for your book because i did i read that you were sort of traveling around bolivia area for like a decade almost would you say
0: yeah yeah i mean so so i first visited bolivia before i was travel writing when i was you know after i would quit sports journalism mm. and was you know backpacking around around south america and at the time i didn't really know much about bolivia at all i was in hmm. on the doing the classic kind of gringo trail stuff i was in rio for carnival yeah. uh, and then I, and then i was going to hike the inca trail to machu picchu in in peru and then, essentially just needed you know what was the the most direct cost effective way to get from one to the other and uh you know anyone who's familiar with a, black, a map of South America will know that Bolivia sits in the um sits in the middle but I didn't really know that much about about the country at the time but as soon as I crossed the border and traveled around for um you know for 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 a few weeks I, I was absolutely captivated by the place initially it was the um just the landscapes you know the salada uni the the world's Mm. biggest salt flat you know an incredible otherworldly landscape uh lake Titicaca, um you know some of the highest cities on earth um it was my first glimpse of the andes in 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 real life and absolutely got captivated with it at at, at that stage and then you know scroll forward a few years and i'm a um uh, writing guidebooks for rough guides um and then an opportunity to came, came to, to to work on the rough guide to um to Bolivia um about now probably what 14 14 years ago mm-hmm. and that was fantastic because it gave me an excuse to go back to Bolivia it <laughs> yeah. gave me an excuse to visit virtually every part of the of the country to do research for the for the guidebook and I think I was also lucky that not only did I get to explore the country that it was an incredibly um dramatic time for the country in terms of politics and society and culture and economics I mean you know the country had its first um indigenous ind- indigenous leader mm-hmm. um it was going through an incredible economic boom for much of that period uh, and there were huge changes in society um so all of those kind of fed in and so i kind of got the idea well I think this this would be a this would be a good idea for for a book just because it's it's a country that you know people aren't really familiar with outside you know i say outside of south america even amongst its south american neighbors it's often Mm. often overlooked yet it has this fantastic incredible incredibly rich history it's had a huge unexpected impact on the world at large the world that we live in today um and it's also it kind of felt you know like like it's on the front line of lots of the issues that we're talking about around the world in our in our own lives the climate emergency of course but also things like populism the war Mm. on drugs yeah uh, migration um so was kind of a lot of these interesting strands fed in together and um I thought yeah that's it it, it's it's I, I wanted to explore that in a book and um yeah and so crossed off the map was was the was the result of it so it kind of looks back at its fantastic history it showcases the um Uh, you know some of the world's most incredible landscapes and it also kind of has you know nuggets of uh, nuggets of insight on some of these touchstone issues and how Bolivia is coping with them and you know what lessons and um, you know principles and stories might be relevant for us as we we deal with them in the years to come I don't
1: even know why I went to Bolivia if I'm honest maybe a lot of travelers do this where they get to the salt flats in the west Uh, unbelievable area by the way and then you finish in uni and you, you just think oh that's bolivia well i guess i'll go east but i had no no information no real things that i want to go and see i was just kind of traveling with a group at the time who are in my jeep at the uni so i went in there completely unaware no plan whatsoever and it absolutely blew my mind and it does go under the radar of uh south america you're right uh, even amongst seasoned travelers a little bit i mean there's the three countries at the top you know like suriname guiana french Guiana, and in arguably now Venezuela, that they kind of don't get talked about that much um, at all. But Bolivia is definitely up there with not being talked about. But it is pretty incredible. Um, so I do want to ask uh, some questions about it, really, if you're, if you're willing to to have a go at it. So Bolivia in terms of politically right now, where where are they sitting, do you think? Because when I was there, this, this is 10 years ago, so it's, it's a while ago now, the protests. I remember the like, sit-down protests on the roads. So you can go anywhere sometimes. I can't remember if it's food or gas prices, people weren't happy. So where are they sitting right now? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, it,
0: it's that's a huge question that I could spend the rest of the uh, podcast talking to you about. But I will try and condense it into <laughs> yeah. a, a nice, pithy, concise yeah. response. I mean, anyone that visits Bolivia will find that you know Bolivians are impre- incredibly politically engaged, yes. and public protest is a huge part of um you know everyday life. If you if mm. if you spend you know any any period of time they've spent a couple of weeks there traveling around you'll almost invariably see a protest or two or um you know find that roads are blocked off or mm. that there's a strike or something something like that. There's been a lot of political turbulence over the years. Um compared to a few years ago it's it's more stable now. Okay. Yeah um, it's difficult making you know detailed predictions about where where Bolivian politics is going to go. It's certainly something that um shouldn't put people off no
1: absolutely not There, yeah
0: at, at, at all it's not um there's there's not instability that say you might associate with venezuela mm. at the moment um you know so um but but it's definitely something and no it is worth knowing a bit more about the context so just in, informing yourself a little bit before you get out there because you'll be able to understand a little bit more about what's going on around you um you know, and and seeing some of the protests which are loud and colourful and um you know, it it's 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 an interesting yeah, it's an interesting experience that um yeah, visitors inevitably get. Yeah, I think it shouldn't put people off. I think uh I found that Bolivians are incredibly hospitable.
1: Yes, that's the one. Um for welcoming tourists in. They're very they've got a quite a quirky sense of humor actually, I found, with um with South Americans. And I actually think they're probably looked down upon on a lot of other South American countries, I think. I don't know if that's a fair statement. Some Argentinians are oh, you going there, like, oh, yeah, people should just ignore that. I think that's a great country, very colourful, and they are very proud of what it is. And I think that the indigenous stats are really good as well, like compared to other countries. Yeah. So I think it's a pretty cool country.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, there, there, there is prejudice towards, um, well, indigenous South Americans yeah. in general. And, mm. you know, the, um, um, there's a very prominent you know um, most bolivians have indigenous heritage and there's a yeah. huge patchwork of um indigenous groups that that, that um that, that make up the country and and when you're on the streets you'll the Aymara language. You'll hear the Quechua language. Quechua was yeah. the language spoken by the uh, the Incas, yeah. um, as well as many, many others. Depending on what part of the the country you are, unfortunately, there is prejudice amongst countries or elements mm. elements, of elements other yeah. countries. I yeah, should yeah. I should say, yeah. um, but really, explore you know ex- exploring you know the myriad cultures in in Bolivia is a, is a real draw for this mm. you know it's, it's it's something that you should you should go and experience and you'll get an incredible insight into you know ways of life and beliefs and languages and and so on that you may not be familiar with and um yeah it's an incredibly enriching experience yeah and we are going to delve into some like quick fire Bolivia
1: questions like how to get there blah blah. I will see but very quickly from doing your book what was like one piece of thing that Bolivia does that's actually affected world history. Do you think that's quite impressive, or it's got people talking? Is there one that you can maybe think of the top of your head that people might be surprised at?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, without without revealing too many secrets from of course, I've got to read one it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah. so the city of Potosi, which is an Andean yeah. city, is the second highest city on Earth. Um, and around five hundred years ago or so, uh, it was the site of the richest silver mine in history um supposedly according, according to legend so much silver came out of the Posse mines that you could build a solid silver railway track from um from Posse all the way to madrid and still have enough left over for uh, wow. a solid silver engine to ride it- on top of it but that silver changed the world essentially it was um uh, it 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 interconnected every part every continent on earth for the first time it was traded through Europe it helped to fund things like the industrial revolution you know huge amounts of it went and ended up in China where it was traded for goods that then made the made the return journey or went to Europe or so on um and the silver you know which was used as a currency in China um for for, for a period helped to fund things like the development of the great wall of China for example it also wow. caused uh, eventually massive hyperinflation that helped to bring down a dynasty um and also you know there's it, it was the indigenous people were used in in the mines but mm-hmm. also enslaved people from Africa were also trafficked over and forced to labor in these mines and these mines you know were absolutely you know horrendous conditions um Cerro Rico, which is the main mine, or the main the mountain where most mm-hmm. of the mines are based in Potosí, became known as the mountain that eats men because so many people died okay. um, um, in, in you know getting the silver yeah. out of it. So that's just that's just one example, and and that interconnected trade globalization, you know, has, mm-hmm. has kind of built up networks that that exist today and that have, you know developed since then. Um, another slightly quirky um, thing is it also gave us the dollar sign. So, um, oh. so silver coins that were were minted in Potosi in the yeah. in the the Great Mint, which is now an incredible museum. Um, but they they were stamped with the initials of of Potosi. one one P you know P oh. and T and S over over yeah. on top of each other, and that vaguely resembled the uh, the, the the dollar sign. So that was oh, great later. Fact later became one of the you know obviously one of the most recognizable symbols on earth so um yeah and and and, and really that's just scratching the surface with with potency because there's lots of fascinating um stories about it one of the streets was literally paved with silver um yeah and it kind of popped up in lots of different and uh, unexpected areas and today you know you, you can you can visit you can visit the city mm. it's 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 for above four thousand meters above sea level so um it's a breathless place you can go into the mines um which I've done which is um an intense experience if you're claustrophobic it, it is not for you but it, it but it is an incredibly enlightening experience and um yeah and potency the silver you know was funneled into producing some incredible architecture so if you um, you know, if you like um you know colonial era spanish mm-hmm. colonial era churches and mansions and that kind of thing theaters um is a treasure trove for it so um so yeah so that will be one example of the impact that Pot- the bolivia has had on the world that we live in today
1: okay um we are going to come to potosi because i've got some questions and i've got some shared experiences here so i want to come to that uh just quickly though so your book obviously wraps up a lot of uh Travel advice, history, information about the indigenous population, or like your experience as well? So it kind of wraps all that up into like a nice Bolivia personal experience that people can really get stuck into and inspire them to go yeah.
0: there. It's, it's narrative nonfiction. So it's kind of yeah. it's, it's using my journeys through the country to tell the, tell the story mm-hmm. of the country's history, um, dating back millions of years up to the as near to the present day as I could, could yeah. possibly get. Um, and so kind of it showcases, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, it, it should inspire readers. It, you know, it's, it's it's definitely inspired a few reasons to book trips, which has been great. That's so it's inspired it, yeah. a few people, you know, it should inspire you hopefully to, to visit. But also if you're just an armchair traveler, you know, and you want some fascinating stories about, you know, a part of the world, one of the, one of the most dramatic, some of the most dramatic landscapes on Earth. And on the unexpected connections and fragments of forgotten history, it kind of pulls all of that together with, um, you know, kind of hopefully uh, some portraits of um, what the country is is like at the moment and some of the issues that it's dealing with. Yeah, I think people should definitely buy that.
1: I'm going to buy it because I need to read it because I need to share my experiences in written form. Uh, but I'll put links in the show notes. I'll come to at the end, but yeah, we'll, we'll whack that in the show notes so people can click on that. And uh, maybe, maybe the next 10, 15 minutes might even convince people even more because we're going to talk a bit about Bolivia. So. As you're talking about Potosi, right? I again no idea going there. It was like, oh, should we go there? It's quite high up. Why not? Let's go for a laugh. So the first few impressions were crikey is high up. Like I had trouble sleeping. I couldn't really grasp the thin air that well. And it took me two or three days, really. And the problem with Potosi is his hills. I don't know if you found this, like walking to the shop, it's not flat. You have to go up the hill and you're already out of breath, and so it's just, like really difficult to. Adapt. So I think you probably maybe have found that experience, but also the mine. Did you do the tour with the to clump ladders and you've got like the, the headlight on and it's like pitch dark? Yeah. Anyone claustrophobic, I would recommend not doing this tour because it literally is sort of headgear on, torch you're in a group, and you are going in darkness to a working mine. You hear, might hear that like muffled explosion somewhere, whatever, where. If you don't know where, don't like, you know, you can't see where you're going, or you're going up like ladders, you don't even know where how far you're going up. I can't actually believe I've done it, really, but uh, I did enjoy it, and I was the first one in the group to got these ladders and sort of embraced it. Uh, But the third thing about that Potosi as well, linked to the mines, is did you go to the market as well to buy some stuff? I bought some dynamite, and I couldn't believe I was buying dynamite. That's another thing I couldn't believe as well.
0: Yeah. Well yeah if you, if you, if you, if you if you visit on one of the the, the mine tours as I'm sure you 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 yeah. had the experience of you you know you asked to bring some presents for the yeah for the for the for the miners and also for um LTO who is the um the lord of the underworld who who plays a big part in yeah. the beliefs and mythology of the of of the miners um yeah and so dynamite sticks of dynamite uh, from the market the market in Potosi is uh, one of the gifts are uh, coca leaves as coca well, leaves, which yeah. also helps you to um to 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 deal with the deal with the altitude and that are legal in Bolivia. yeah, um uh, cocaine is not legal in Bolivia. question I'm often often asked, but coca yeah. leaves are yeah. and play a central part in um uh, many Bolivians Bolivians lives. yeah. and also um one hundred percent proof alcohol was the other um oh yeah. the, the yeah, other the other, a- the other gift. Um, I think they which, got to take uh, like a little sip of it and I, that was disgusting.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was great. Um, also children's books. I think I remember buying them actually. I think that was a nice little touch to just to give to the miners that they've got children They can uh, like colour in books and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But yeah, the, the 100% alcohol, I forgot about that. I remember someone had some, as a celebration, I think we sat around. Did you see the statue of the guy with a huge penis and it's got like leaves
0: thrown at him? but well that's the yeah that is LTO so the Tio, so he, yeah. he he's he's the um yeah the you see, you see statues of this this character who's essentially the Lord of the Underworld and he um the miners will give offerings yeah. such as such as uh coca leaves and such as uh, alcohol to um you know to not to anger him because he likes presents but also hopefully to give themselves some protection mm-hmm. in what is still an incredibly dangerous um environment i mean as i'm sure you found you, you know you're going down these centuries old mine shafts in, yeah. in in some cases in some cases they're you know 400 years plus yeah. old um you know and it's a bit safer than it was you know in 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 the past but you know uh, you know poisonings and collapses and stuff mm-hmm. uh, you know are not unheard of at all and things like silicosis which you know affects people's lungs so it's It's an intense experience. I mean, I think an an awful lot of people, myself included, do it once, and it's you know. Oh yeah, there we go. It's it's a (laughs) vivid experience, but but you don't necessarily have a desire to do it again. So, um, you also come out with an awful lot of respect for the you know the miners that are going in every every day, and some have gone gone in since they were you know in their teens as well.
1: You see this, don't Uh, you? Like there's kids that like 13 years old, and it's quite also sad to see. You can't believe the. They've got a hard hat on their the mining at that age you think wow like that's a, yeah. almost slightly awful but I guess they just have to do it they've got to feed their families right
0: yeah well I mean it's it's you know there's problems with child labor in you know in, in Bolivia and it and in and in the mines but mm. yeah it, but as you say it, even though the mine the mines are are dangerous and the silver has long run out yeah. you know it's mainly zinc mm. and tin and things like that now. Um the, the pay for miners is still above the average for potency and Potosi is ah, okay. um, once one of the richest places on Earth mm. um is now one of the poorest in one of the poorest parts of Bolivia. so um you know the the wow. the, the 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 mines still provide the the, the 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 most of the most of the local economy. so it's so it's still it still plays a central role um you know kind of 500 odd years after it was after the silver reserves were first discovered.
1: Oh, wow. I didn't realise that. I, I remember the the light hitting me as I came out of the mine. That was a bit of a shock, um, which kind of gives you an appreciation of how dark it is down there. Um, but when you come out to natural light, oh, wow, crikey, my eyes were going a little bit. That was a bit of a shock as well. Um, how did you get to Potosi? I think I got a bus there, uh, if I remember correctly, from probably from La Paz, if I had a guess. I can't quite remember. But uh, how would you get to Potosi, for example?
0: Yeah. So 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 so, so for Potosi, I mean, it's the, the the classic. I mean, I I've been, I can't remember how many times I've been yeah. now. Many 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 times. I mean, the, the the classic routine is um um well normally from Sucre, which is which is a, yeah. a beautiful city, lovely, yeah. um, about two and a half hours drive, and it's lower. Mm-hmm. So you can if ideally, when you're dealing with altitude, if you can just ascend um gradually yes. in stages, yeah, that, that helps to ease the process. Um so yeah, so normally I will go in via via Sucre I have also been in via from um Uyuni before um yeah. going up the the newish the newish road um and that obviously prepares you for the the um the uh the altitude as well um but uh yeah I mean that those those, those are the key routes in and also if you're if you're going to Potosi you should really see Sucre as well which is, Sucre is one of the most beautiful cities yeah. in South America yeah and a lot of the wealth Bon Potosi was fed into um into Sucré which is where lots of the mine owners um uh lived and it's still technically the capital of uh, of of Bolivia as well so it's kind of it's interesting to see Sucré which is still a flourishing place and very oh, different and you know, beautiful mm. beautiful um climate as well and you know whitewashed architecture UNESCO world heritage site it's it's interesting to see you know um perhaps the light and the shade with mm. with Sucre and with 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 Potosi, so um, so yeah, it's 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 high up, but it's easy it's easy to get to. Let's touch on Sucre as well because that's on the on my
1: list actually. Yeah, I love the city. Like I can believe it's chalk and cheese. Uh, I, th- I you know maybe Potosi and La Paz are quite similar vibe, but I found Sucre like oh wow, this is like white buildings, very calm, nicer altitude, nice little markets. Like the hostel was really nice that we stayed in. Like not believe what I was seeing, but this is a lovely little place, and technically the capital, and a good base for someone maybe just to chill out for a bit in Bolivia. Because I know Bolivia can get intense, but maybe Sucre is a is a nice place just to hang around for a bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and, and absolutely, an awful lot of travellers find their way to Sucre, yeah. and you know, in some cases, never leave. Um, <laughs> okay, you know, it, fair. It, <clears throat> yeah, it's got a big population of former travellers who have arrived from Europe, yes, from North America, yeah. and uh, and set up shop there. No, it's it, it's 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 an absolutely gorgeous city it isn't hyperbole to say it's one of the from an architectural point of view one of the most beautiful cities in south america as a whole and mm. um, it's incredibly well preserved the center is a unesco world heritage site yeah um it's known as the white city um okay. because the the buildings you know the classical buildings from the 17th 18th 19th century all whitewashed it's got a beautiful uh, main square um, and it's great, you know, it's, it's got a really good vibe to it as well. There's some universities there, so it's got a young mm. feel to it. There's some great restaurants, it's really good for from a backpacking or a traveling point of view. There's lovely hostels, loads of the lovely buildings have been turned into um guest houses or yeah, or hotels. And the surrounding area is really interesting as well. Strong indigenous character there, strong weaving traditions, um, which you can see it um both the markets in Sucre but also some of the markets in the surrounding towns yeah it's a lovely altitude um, particularly it's 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 lower significantly lower than both Potosi and La Paz for example so it's you know and, and that helps with the climate um so yeah it's it's kind of it's it's an intoxicating place it's a difficult place to drag yourself away <laughs> from um and uh yeah it, it kind of um it, it, it it's 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 popular but kind of given Given just how interesting a place it is, you know, it, it, like many places in Bolivia, it doesn't get the the travelers that you might might expect, and that equivalent places in Peru, for example, or in Argentina or or, or, or Chile, certain, certainly do do. Um, so yeah, fun mm. place. Yeah, it gives me like
1: you know, in some countries, they give you there's like places where people just don't leave. Uh, uh, off the top of my head, I'm thinking, like, you know, Lao, Luang Prabang is a classic, like, backpacker hub. That's got a similar vibe. Nice, nice little town by the river. People just don't leave. Like, when I went to Sucre, a hostel was just packed. I couldn't believe this place was even full. Some Irish guy was on the front desk. I'm like, oh, wow, he probably works here. Yeah, it's very interesting. I didn't really expect it, but I'd have a free walking tour in Sucre. And Sucre is one of those places you can do, like, a nice, easy walking tour. There's no hills to climb, there's no altitude to, to really consider. So, it really is a setup to be like a nice place, and I, I'm not surprised that people do stay there uh, and get stuck there. But you do have to get yourself out and get to other places. Um, I want to go like west and east because I, I didn't go east, so I didn't go to like Cochabamba. Can we talk about the Amazon side of Bolivia? Have you been? Maybe some recommendations or things to go and see and do there?
0: Yeah, well, I'm really glad you asked me about the Amazon side of Bolivia because I love uh, I love that. And people that generally associate Bolivia with the Andes, but actually a third of the country lies within the Amazon basin. Mm. And yeah. it's, in, in my opinion, it's the best part of South America to explore the Amazon because okay. um, it's, it's easier to visit, access pristine.
1: This is a patron shout out to Laura from the Swamp Soup Stickers who has contributed £5 to the podcast on my Patreon. Thank you so much for your support. Really appreciate it and it helps the podcast to keep going in the future. If you're interested, head to the show notes where you'll find a link to my Patreon. The website address is patreon.com forward slash Wigan Air Travel Podcast. For five English pounds, you will receive some trendy stickers from myself in the post, a shout out on each episode, and also my digital travel planner by email. Thank you for your support.
0: Primary rainforest. Yeah. Um, the key place for that is a place called Park National Medidi, um, which is you can access via very long uh, and often muddy and uh, delayed bus journey, or an incredible a most spectacular flight from La Paz. Now, I try not to encourage people to take internal flights as much as possible. Mm. But this flight is absolutely it's only half an hour, but it takes you up over the Andes. And then you just oh. see the Andes collapse into the foothills into the and then into the uh, the Amazon Basin. And you're often in a small plane as well. So it's, um, it's, it's, it's genuinely spectacular. But you yeah, uh, Park National Medidi um, is the most biodiverse protected area on Earth. So there's circa eight to 9000 species there. Uh, pink ray, uh, pink dolphins, for example, birds yeah. of paradise, um, piranhas, of course, jaguars, uh, you know, it's it's absolutely teeming, teeming with life um and there's some and it's it's also a place where you as a tourist as a traveler can have a really positive impact with your tourism because there's lots of indigenous run eco lodges i'll give a shout out to a place called chalalan which i've stayed at um which is a real pioneer in this and it's a way to both support indigenous communities that live in that region um and also aid conservation and aim to protect you know and preserve this 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 area which is you know like the Amazon as a whole has lots of threats yeah. illegal gold mining uh deforestation mm-hmm. agriculture poaching um and you'll see you, you know as you explore and uh, most of your exploration will be by boat because the you know it's it's there's very few roads in this in this yeah. part of the world um uh you'll, you'll see signs of this I mean when, when the last time I was there when I was uh, researching that chapter for the book I saw illegal gold miners on the beach who were just sluicing um water searching searching for, for gold from the river <laughs> you see these um uh vessels called dragons uh which are which dredged the uh dredged the um the, the river bottom to, to to find gold so you see some of the threats but you also see you know incredible Rainforests and lagoons, and for, for me, the short of going on a major expedition, mm-hmm. there's no better place to explore the Amazon um, and to uh, and to have a positive impact um, while you do so.
1: Is this the classic case of like Bolivia just getting under the radar again? I mean, because obviously Amazon, you think Brazil instantly, right? Um, but obviously, that has its challenges, as we all know and read about. But yeah, probably people listen like, oh, Bolivia has. Wh- by the Amazon, but the fact that the, the third of it is there, that's crazy. And I'll, I'll also love the fact that they're doing stuff to protect it. And it's like very much protected in terms of the biodiversity and stuff. I think that's a key key point because I think some people might be worried if you're going to visit, like, is it going to ruin, the, I guess, the area? But the fact that you've got indigenous run uh, like guest houses and ecologies and stuff like that and tours, I guess, I guess that helps because they obviously are indigenous to the land and they know what it needs to be protected.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, um, sustainability and responsible yep. travel and restorative travel are, are, are key things for 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 me for me as a writer. Um, yeah, and and people, you know, understandably are not sure when 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 visiting these places, but absolutely this is somewhere you can have a positive impact. Right. Do your research. Um, as I say, I, I recommend a place called Chalalan, which also has a tour agency, but there's other really good indigenous um based off what he says there as well ask questions you know if mm-hmm. if, if, if just because the company says they're sustainable ask them yeah what what that means yeah. spell it out in practical terms but yeah I mean you know essentially this is a part of the world where there's not much in the way of uh, legal sustainable forms of employment right okay. so if, if you're going as a as a tourist and if you're staying in a responsible um eco lodge if you're going with a responsible locally locally based Tour operator, you're giving money to you know, you're you're economically supporting local people. You're giving them a financial incentive to protect the the their local environment mm. um, and to and the incredible wildlife that's there. So um, you know, tourism can often have a da- you know often has a damaging impact in yeah. many parts of many parts of the world. Um, this this is a place where if you do your research, um, you can have a positive impact.
1: There you go. I'll have to go, and I because I didn't go. Uh, I think I ran out of time, actually. I had to get to Peru to do the Inca Trail. But um, yeah, I think I was when I was leaving, I was like, oh, I just wish I had a bit more of a less of a time to finish because I wanted to go east, unfortunately, but I couldn't quite get there. So that's okay. I have to go next time. And it is on my list. There's never
0: enough time to visit everywhere and and you've got an excuse to go back, which is is great.
1: Yeah, I need to go back to Bolivia. I love that place. Okay, let's go west. I think a classic group maybe people do if they're probably familiar with the geography is Salt Flats. Probably from like uh, San Pedro in Atacama Desert up to the salt flats. Um, I done the tour, which included the border crossing there. The most strangest border crossings. is a hut in the middle of nowhere. You queue up, you queue up in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> get your stamp, and you just go through an invisible line. Um, but I, I assume that you've done the salt flats and then got into a uni. I mean, that part of the world is equally as breathtaking, right? I know salt flats. I don't know if you went in the dry or rainy season or both, but I went in the dry season, and that's just breathtaking.
0: Yeah I mean I'm 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 lucky to have been several times um, okay. um all in the dry season I would love to go in the rainy season yeah. um, as well but yeah no you you you're absolutely right i mean it's, it's it's one of the most dramatic landscapes on earth it's another worldly landscape i mean it's mm. it's blindingly white the Slade uni is the biggest salt flat on earth to put that in perspective it's roughly the size of jamaica and it's right. surrounded by uh, mountains it's surrounded by volcanoes yeah um it's so flat that you can see the curvature of the earth um it's kind of a a hallucinatory um landscape i mean i like to think it's the it's the closest you can get to another worldly experience without actually getting on a spaceship and yeah, you know, yeah. Jet, jetting off somewhere and there, there were fantastic tours as you say i mean a classic route is you know is is traveling up to northern chile and to go through san mm. pedro de Atacama and crossing over and ending up in the town of a uni which is on the edge of the salt flat um but yeah you can also do um do to tours solely within um within within um Bolivia. Um but yeah it's it, it's it's the best known part of Bolivia. And mm. even if you don't know the name, you will have seen photos on it on Instagram, on yeah. on 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 Twitter and so on. Um because you can, you know, there's there's all these wonderful things because it's so flat and it's so uniform, you can play um, you know, these wonderful perspective um trick photos and that kind of thing. Um is really you know is really um rich in in history and cultures as well there's lots of really interesting legends and mythologies around the salt flat um which was you know it's the it was the um seabed of a you know a, a, an ancient an ancient sea, ancient inland sea that uh that subsequently uh, uh subsequently disappeared and to bring it right up today uh you know salt harvesting was the traditional um, industry of the salt flats for mm-hmm. thousands of years and it remains important today alongside tourism. Um, but below the salt crust of the um of, of the of the Solar is some of the world's biggest um deposits of lithium, right? So lithium oh. is a metal that yeah, is yeah. enabling yeah. us to have this conversation yes, via Zoom today, right? It's yeah. essential, um it's in all, all of our mobile all phones, phones yeah. in our electric vehicles in our laptops. Of course, you know, it's the it's the metal that powers the digital age. Is that a problem? Well, see, I mean, it's, you know, there's, there's, everything is nuanced, right? So yeah. it's, it, it provides, you know, there's huge reserves, and Bolivia certainly needs, uh, needs, needs the money from that. Yeah. And it's a country where of huge natural resources, which have generally been exploited by outsiders, or a very small small elite not to the benefit of um of ordinary bolivians so there's hopes that you know that that will be done differently here but it's also in you know in a pristine landscape and can you can you extract this very valuable research, resource from below the salt flat without damaging this ecosystem and the indigenous communities that live around it and mm. it's you know it's relatively small scale extraction at the time at, at the moment um but there's you know there's foreign investment and there's you know understandably a desire to uh exploit it more so um you know we'll wait we, you know we will wait and see how that develops but I mean I would say if you're thinking you know if you're thinking of visiting the Salado Union you want to want to see it in this state you know my advice would be to do it as soon as you can um, yeah because change is coming to that part of the world um and um yeah it's hopefully I hope hopefully it will, will survive but I can't say 100 you know confidently yeah. to that to you today I think now you told me that I do worry I just think that uh
1: the systems that we live in would require definitely lithium considering where we're going uh that is a problem once some certain people get a whiff of that it's going to cause uh yeah I, I'm just more concerned about landscape it's such a unique uh untouched almost just you can't even describe it really that well it's you just have to go there um but yeah like the vastness of it it's just i, I i'll be w- really worried that that would be destroyed um I, if anything to go by with humans they they're pretty good at that so yeah i don't know that's a it's a tough one but then bolivians need to obviously have a bit more um i guess income i suppose as a as a whole but um yeah we'll see where that goes
0: i mean it's the challenge of sustainable development and so it's yeah that there, there, there are no you know Bolivia is a place that you find there there are lots of difficult issues and no easy answers. Yeah, absolutely. Have you travelled as quickly was a uh, uni like from the Bolivian
1: side? Because I only went from obviously the Chilean side to cross the border to do it and then get into Bolivia. But what's the tours like or what's the access like from the Bolivian side doing it all?
0: Yeah, so if, if if there's anyone any enthusiasts for railways, then there's a great railway journey into to, to the salt flats. Huh. Bolivia doesn't have many surviving railways. Sadly, mm-hmm. South America as a whole doesn't have many su- surviving railways. Um, but this 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 is a great one. So it, it goes from um the town of Aruro, which um which used to be a, a tin mining mm-hmm. uh, town, and that's just south of um of La Paz. And you get a you get a train, um, you know, the Espresso del Sur, there's the Southern Express that takes you, in fact, it goes all the way to the Argentine border, but it, it, it passes through the town of a uni ah, okay. en route. It's Ooh. an incredible journey. It's it's sometimes delayed, but it, but you have absolutely <laughs> yeah. spectacular scenery. And it typically arrives late at night in a uni, which is a you know quite a small, very yeah. touristy, windswept town. Um, so that's my favorite. That's 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 definitely the way that I would recommend mm-hmm. you you visit. You can also travel by um by, by road as well, by bus. Uh, you can fly in as well. Yeah. Um, but, you know, unless you're really in a hurry and if you want a more memorable um, memorable journey, um, yeah, take one of the great railway, you know, the great railway rides in South America and, uh, yeah, a rural road to, um, to to uni. It's, uh, yeah, you, you wow. won't I didn't know existed. Yeah. Wow. They know that. I think the, the advantage of doing the
1: tour from Chile, include the border crossing, is you get to stay in the area. And again, it's quite mm. high up, altitude wise uh, and very cold. I remember like lots of lagoons, very sort of flamingos there. It's, it's amazing to stay in, I think I stayed in an ice hotel or salt hotel, Um, uh, salt hotel, I think, which had yeah. obviously you no know, hot water heating. It is a quite earthy thing. And you sit around the fire, like sort of hudding up with your with your colleagues in the, in, from the Jeep. So it is an yeah. experience to do at least once, I think.
0: No, absolutely. And, you know, you can do it, there's, I mean, most of my experiences have been from the backpacker end of it but there are lux- luxury places to stay. Awesome. okay <laughs> yeah yeah um <laughs> and and there's more option over the last few years more options have opened up yeah um as uh, as well um but yeah i mean it gets seriously cold i mean in one of the rooms on uh on one of my research trips which we had to um there was a sudden snowfall which meant we had to go on a a blizzard essentially so we had to go on a detour and we ended oh, up wow. staying somewhere we, what we weren't originally planning to yeah and it was pretty basic yeah. um <laughs> and uh overnight it got to minus 21 in the room yeah so um so yeah so you, you definitely want to wrap up wrap, yeah up warm you want sunglasses because it's blindingly white you know you can get it it's like the equipment of snow blindness mm. there um you know the 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 weather is uh, unpredictable mm-hmm. uh, and things can change quickly. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's it's like nowhere. It's like nowhere else on earth. Quite apart from the Salt Flats, you mentioned the lagoons. You have lagoons that are stained red and yeah, green yeah. through the minerals, mm. um, and they're populated by you know huge huge flocks of flamingos. Which um, you know fl- flamingos we don't necessarily think of as a tough bird. They are one of the toughest birds yeah. out there. <laughs> um, <laughs> So you get like an incredible insight into in them, and also the you know the 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 the, the, the small sort of harvesting villages that are dotted around that area. You go through these, you know, five thousand meter high passes. Yes, you see Giza yeah. fields. Yeah, um, you see these you know volcanoes, some of which are active. Um, yeah, it's it's a mind blowing, mind expanding um experience, but you probably doing Appreciate your creature comforts when you get back to a uni or whether or San Pedro, Atacama, or wherever you wherever you finish up.
1: I think yeah, my advice would be do the four or five day tour, do all those things you just said, and we just said, and then yeah, do treat yourself afterwards because you are going to need some nice warm shower and just some nice bed. Uh, I think I was actually a bit ill after finishing uh, the tour in the uni, so I had to stay for a couple of days. Well, also when you drive in the jeep, I think when they sort of like done the tour and they're, they're blasting back to either a uni or probably to San Pedro the other way. I mean, it just goes on forever, but it's breathtaking the, the the ride. You can probably go as fast as you want. They got the Dakar Rally. When I was traveling there, the yeah. Dakar Rally was going to be there. I don't know if it's still going now, but they switched from obviously Dakar to there. Mm. Perfect place to do it. Flat, just go race um, in the dry season. That would be. Yeah, so I thought it was just a whole experience was incredible. I, I could not recommend it enough. Here, <laughs> Also, La Paz. i have got mentioned La Paz, haven't we? That's uh, a that's a big hub. It's a huge city. I didn't really know what to make of it at first I I think I like it it's a bit crazy um but it's a hub isn't it it's probably a main place you're going to fly into
0: yeah if if you're flying into Bolivia directly you're you're probably going to end up in 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 La Paz Santa Cruz on the um on the east which is which is almost at sea level is is the other is the other main hub but um, okay yeah. yeah people often sleep a little bit on, on 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 La Paz um it can be a bit of a people can sometimes find it a cold shock mainly yeah. it's the altitude because if you're flying in there it's that you know it's the the Airport, if if my memory serves me right, is four thousand and ninety meters above sea level. So oh you, wow! So if you oh. if you're if you're coming from somewhere like London or you know <laughs> or, or Vancouver yeah. or you know that that that's a big altitude climb, and yeah. even in the centre of La Paz, it's you know circa three thousand six hundred meters. That's high, right? Yeah. And you're and and you and you 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 will feel feel it. I mean, I often the way I describe it is you you get a an insight into the aging process, just because everything suddenly becomes more difficult. Climbing a flight of stairs feels like summiting. Yeah, you know, Everest, Um, (laughs) eating. So yeah, the the basic
1: stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and like the altitude can affect the way you, you know, you you often don't sleep very well because of it. And it takes a few days to get up to speed. But La Paz is a really, really interesting place. It's got a very rich, you know, history and culture. There's some great places to to eat and, and drink there the other places on the La Paz is in um, the rim of a canyon is is in the base of a canyon and around Mm. the rim of the canyon, which is where the airport is, is the town of El Alto, which started off as just an informal settlement um, over the years, but has become, you know, one of the fastest growing cities in Latin America It's actually the population Uh there is now bigger than than La Paz. And it's got Uh very, very strong indigenous, particularly Aymara, yeah. Uh, culture. So I'm you know, one of the biggest indigenous um, uh, communities in uh, Bolivia. And that, which is another place that people really often overlook. And there's lots of horror stories about you know, it being dangerous and so on, often from people in La Paz. Um, but you can you can definitely visit safely. And, mm-hmm. uh, and it's an incredibly enriching experience. They have an incredible architecture that has developed over the last few decades um which is kind of mind-blowing um uh guide that I was there described it as firecracker architecture it kind of combines lots of different elements Mm -hmm. um and so on there's some huge markets is one of the biggest markets in South America there you can buy you know give or take everything there (laughs) (laughs) legal and legal and illegal (laughs) um uh, but yeah, yeah it's a great place to eat it's a very dynamic place, There's lots going on, and it kind of gives you, um, you know, a taste, a, di- a different taste of um, of Bolivia. So, um, yeah, oh, wow. Good Bolivia's tip. natural attractions are fantastic, but don't mm. don't miss the cities. And and yeah, it, La Paz and El Alto um, rewards um, rewards you if you spend a few days there, and uh, you know, set mm. off and explore with an open mind. Yeah, I didn't even know that was really a hub. I think I just went straight
1: into La Paz. La Paz has got a backpacking community as well. Lots of hostels there, some very well known party hostels. I think you can even find English breakfast in the pub that I went to once, I think there. So I think you've got to be having have some home comforts if you like, if you get to La Paz, if you need it.
0: Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, it, La Paz is a huge backpacker hub. Yeah. You know, there's there's a very defined kind of centre for it. There's loads of hostels and hotels and that kind of stuff. Yeah. If you're missing a pub you can find a pub there uh, yeah. you, you know if you're missing uh you know british style indian food you can find it in there <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, can, you know you can it's it's a very you know there's it's 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 backpacker but you know parts of it are backpacker hub in the best in the best sense of it so yeah if you if you if you're feeling a bit homesick um yeah you can you can find a few tastes of home while you're yeah there. absolutely and very quickly santa cruz uh
1: didn't didn't go there uh, what's that like as a, as a hub
0: yeah. So it, again, it, it, interestingly, and I'm pleased you asked about this because, again, people often overlook Santa Cruz or just use it as a transport base. But but mm. Santa Cruz is the biggest city in Bolivia and it's over in the east towards um, the Bolivia, uh, Brazilian border. Yeah. Uh, and complete. So this is a completely different landscape. So this is um, lowlands, yeah. hot. high, hot predominantly. And, you know, Santa Cruz is a big, brash, modern. City, it's the economic oh, okay. powerhouse of it. There's yeah. big agriculture there. There's oil and gas extraction and 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 so on. Great nightlife, really good nightlife. Yeah. Okay. There, it doesn't quite have the character that you might mm. find in places like um Sucre or, or Potosi or um or, or, or La Paz, but it's you know, it's a really, really interesting place. And and it's also a good base for exploring other, you know, that's eastern Bolivia. Um and so you can go, you can go north to the Ch- to to the Chiquitos region, which was which has these incredible. It's kind of a wilderness of tropical dry forest, and hmm. dotted amongst them are these uh, Jesuit churches that were founded ah. uh, several hundred years ago. That yeah. um, I write about a bit in the book, but has a fascinating history. And now there are these incredible monuments, and you can also go to um, um, a place called Samaipata, which is this you know bucolic town surrounded by. You know rolling hills. It's got some incredible um uh Inca sites nearby that you okay. can that you can explore. It's also mm-hmm. a jumping off point for the Che Trail, which is a trail through the mountains that retraces the uh the last few days of Che Guevara who um ah, okay. who, yeah. who arrived in Bolivia trying to uh foment a, uh, a South America-wide revolution and um spoiler alert it, it didn't really work out <laughs> like that. But but his but yeah but the 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 Che trail even if you're not really interested in in Che as a as a person is incredibly is beautiful landscapes um, mm-hmm. that you're you know you often have on your own really um, I mean I I was I was on a cliff top on my last visit there uh, taking a few like landscape shots and then I suddenly felt like a you know a gust of air kind of passed across my face and a condor you know three meter yeah. near enough wingspan. Yep. flew by you know um less than a meter away from me just coming up on one of oh, the uh wow. the air comes from above so an yeah. absolute, absolutely incredible um wildlife encounter there so um so yeah so it's it it, 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 it is it is definitely it's definitely worth exploring there's also another interesting train routes because i know you know lots of lots of people are interested in railway yeah, yeah, yeah. travel so if you're yeah. coming from the pantanal um in Brazil now Brazil has most of the Pantanal which is the largest tropical wetlands on Earth mm-hmm. But part of the Pantanal is also in Bolivia and you can so you can explore that there mm-hmm. and there's a train route. there's a train that goes from uh from the Brazilian border all the way to Santa Cruz uh, wow. which was my first that was that's how I first arrived in Bolivia um yeah, wow. and uh the, the route was nicknamed the death train um for various various reasons uh one of which was they used to you know make, it was deathly boring because it was a uniform landscape and it took ages yeah one was that um it used to trans, uh, transport yellow fever victims uh um, oh, and another okay. is that you know because it was boring people would climb onto the roof and have a drink and occasionally topple off to their death <laughs> so um okay you know you can you can you can pick which story is your your yeah. favorite um but it's a it's a memorable way to to arrive so if you're if you if you're <clears throat> traveling overland from from Brazil that's a great way to um to uh to arrive in arrive in Bolivia and also yeah start to explore the uh the east which is over you know which is which is overlooked within a, a country that in general is overlooked
1: yeah because that eastern part coming in that'd be a nice little uh starting point right because I do remember going from like northern Argentina Saltas, I think to San Pedro you're kind of on your way to Bolivia just going around a long way I was straight into altitude and I was like almost Almost altitude sickness on the bus. There's like, "Oh god, this is crazy." Like, there's no like settling in a little bit. but I think if you come from the east, maybe from Brazil, and to believe it through that train ride to Santa Cruz, I think that'd be a nice maybe start point just to get yourself maybe accustomed to believe it. You know, Santa Cruz is a modern city, but just to get even altitude and that you can maybe slowly make your way up to some of the higher points.
0: Yeah, definitely. If if you're if you're coming from the east and you've got the time. That's definitely the route that I I would advise, because you can then go on to Cochabamba, which is a Mm -hmm. um, really interesting city in its own right, but it's the city of eternal spring because it has such a a wonderful climate.
1: Hey, yeah, just a quick one. I just want to say there are many ways to support this podcast. You can buy me a coffee and help support the podcast with $5.00. Or you can go to my merch store with the affiliate link with Tee Public, where there's plenty of merch available to buy such as t-shirts, jumpers, hoodies and also some children's clothing. Thirdly, which is free, you can also rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser or Good Pods. Also, you can find me on social media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and TikTok. Simply just search for Winging It Travel Podcast and you'll find me displaying all my social media content for traveling podcast and other stuff thank you
0: but you yeah. go up a little bit in altitude there and then you can go on to sucre which again is a is is another mm. in altitude but not so severe and then once you're in sucre you can uh prepare yourself for either potosi or for la paz or for the the Sladea uni or indeed for lake Titicaca as well a oh bit yeah further we're one. not touching that yeah, but, yeah. um yeah. so yeah it's 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 you know the, the the way to cope with altitude sickness to avoid altitude sickness is is definitely to ascend slowly um yeah and kind of kind of take your time I mean classically flying into La Paz from sea level is um yeah you, you, give, give yourself if you're doing that give yourself a couple of days really yeah. Take it easy. Um, um uh, pasenos, the um, residents of La Paz will tell you to um to, to contact, combat the altitude to eat little, uh, drink little, I oh. drink little alcohol and okay. sleep alone. And that oh, okay. uh, and, uh, and that should uh, yeah, <laughs> if you if Good you advice. follow if you follow that, then um yeah, that will help with the altitude. Coca leaves and coca tea coca leaves, yeah. Are also a classic way of helping to overcome altitude sickness. Um, you know, not necessarily to my taste. But um, some some people really like it, but it definitely works. Um, but yeah, there's there's nothing like just taking it easy, really not trying to overexert yourself, and um, yeah, that's eventually you get you get get used to it. And if you spend quite a lot of time at altitude, when you come back to sea level, you feel oh, fantastic. Yeah, you, <laughs> you do. Yeah. Had, you, yeah, you've had altitude <laughs> training. So if you're uh, you know if you play football, if you're a runner or whatever, you know you should be um, you know talking some great performances and record times. <laughs>
1: I think we went to Lake Titicaca. We might as well touch on this. This is a good way to get to Peru, right? I think we went to Peru that way uh, across the border to go and do the yeah. Inca Trail. But you mentioned the altitude. Because you've been in Bolivia for, well, I was in there for three weeks, going to do the Inca Trail, which is still quite high up in terms of altitude from a normal perspective, but it was like going down to sea level. I was like, oh, I can do this. And it probably helps me do the trek in Cusco. I thought, oh, this is just like being at sea level. Love the place. I could walk around easily. So there is an advantage from starting high, going down low into into Peru that way but Lake Takaka unfortunately I had a bit of a bad experience I was pretty ill I've done one of the mm. classic um, uh, boat tours on the islands the floating islands yeah um, but what, what's your experience of Lake Is it's, it's huge isn't it as a lake as well
0: yeah so so it's it's the the world's largest high altitude lake essentially okay. so yeah I yeah. mean it, it, if if when you arrive there it looks like an inland sea it's it's spectacular if you arrive from either the 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 um Bolivian side of it or from the Peruvian side of it. Mm. It's kind of roughly divided between the two. Yeah. Um and uh yeah, so it's an, an absolutely fascinating place. The gateway on the Bolivian side is the town of Copacabana. This is, a, this is the original yeah. Copacabana. Yeah. The uh the Brazilian neighborhood, uh <laughs> the Rio neighborhood t- took its inspiration from uh the Bolivian Copacabana so that's where the original Copacabana Beach is yeah. not quite as spectacular as it's better known um <laughs> yeah. um counterpart and not not quite as good for swimming um but but Lake Sakaka is it yeah absolutely incredible particularly if you've you know once you've acclimatized the great thing to do on the Bolivian side is to take a boat over to um, isla del sol and isla de la luna so the island of the sun and the island of the moon mm-hmm. um and uh there's a great hiking ancient hiking trail or pilgrimage route because the, these islands used to be one of the biggest pilgrimage sites in the andes yeah. before the inca um um you know they they were they were drawing people from across the region so you know the the, the legend it has it according to inca beliefs that the the sun, the moon, and indeed the Inca dynasty were born on Isla yeah. del Sol. Um, yeah. um, and uh, you know, and it's it's very rich. You know, there's still there's ruins there, it's a spectacular walk as well. You can do it in a do it in a day, uh, particularly if you get some nice, nice, nice weather for it. It's mm. absolutely stunning. Um, and it's very easy to cross over into, into Peru. And on the Peruvian side, as you mentioned, you have these floating islands um which you kind of access from the proving town of Puno um which are you know for me Puno as a town has less charm than Copacabana but the floating islands are even though they're quite touristy now they're 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 really really interesting places to visit and you get again you get an insight into you know something that probably you haven't encountered encountered before so um yeah I mean Lake Titicaca is one of the great the great sites in in South America and it's yeah. good preparation if you if you plan to hike the Inca Trail or do any of the various routes to Machu Picchu um because yeah it just acclimatizes you to the uh to the altitude and to um to walking and hiking at uh you know 3 meters mm. plus above sea level okay that's great and one final question about
1: Bolivia in terms of places we did mention it Cochabamba I didn't go there but it's always on the map I was like I need to go there I don't know why I thought that maybe someone told me in the hostel you have to go there but you mentioned the Eternal Spring. But what is that place as a hub? Because I think in my mind, I, I see it as like a nice little idyllic place to go and see. But again, I've not been there, so I have no experience.
0: It, it's really you know it's it, it's um, as I say the climate is wonderful. Um, it's parts of it are quite a modern city. It's it's mm. a popular place for um, <clears throat> Spanish schools and that kind of stuff. Okay. So a lot a lot of people will go and go go and learn Spanish there. Um, it doesn't quite have the touristy you know the 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 traveler scene or the backpacker scene that you know you have in La Paz or Sucre um but I really like I've got a lot of affection for it the local cuisine is very good um you know there's there's some there's some great restaurants and bars and 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 nightlife to do and also if you're vaguely interested in dinosaurs the the wider cochabamba region mm. is is really interesting because there's some incredible you know bolivia is very rich hunting ground for dinosaur uh footprints yeah. fossils and fossils and so on and there's lots of sites that you can you can visit around there <clears throat> and also just geographically because it's roughly in the center of bolivia it's a useful useful hub now that doesn't make it sound particularly <laughs> glamorous but right yeah. you know if you're if you're traveling these places really really useful so if you need to you know break your overnight bus journeys if you need to get laundry done you know if you need <laughs> yeah. to um, you know just need a bit of time, time out in pleasant in pleasant surroundings um but uh, it, it also you know one of its one of its most eye catching sights is the uh, the statue of christ that they have on a on a on on a hill which mm-hmm. uh, which as locals are very proud to tell you is bigger than the one in uh, in rio mm-hmm. so um so yeah, so so not to criticise Rio, but it doesn't have the original Copacabana beach, and the statue of Christ and, is smaller yeah. than uh, the one in Bolivia as well. So um, so yeah, it's it's I, you know what? If if you're on limited time, is not somewhere that I would say you've got to make a beeline for. Okay. But if you got if you if you got time to spend, and definitely if you're if you're on a wider trip, mm. um, it's definitely worth calling in 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 Copacabana and yeah having some good meals and chilling out and enjoying some, uh, yeah, some, some pleasant temperatures.
1: Do you know what, like all these things that you've mentioned that I've not been to and couple of places I've been to, like, there's so much to see do in Bolivia. It's ridiculous. Like no wonder you wrote a book about it and you've spent a decade going back and forth because I don't think people realise how much there is to see, but also the diversity of it. Like there is, it's like I guess USA is always like 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 this. Like there's so much things in USA to go and see. That's why we've done a road trip this summer because there's just like an unlimited amount of different type of things to see and do. Bolivia is the same, and I know it's much smaller, but uh, the way you go from east to west and like even south to north, like it's just a plethora of things to do. And I I probably would encourage people maybe to try and stay there longer to try and see as much as they can. And it's also I don't know if you agree as well one of the cheapest places to travel in South America.
0: Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. It's 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 well worth spending, you know, it, it's it's a cost-effective place to say, it's much cheaper than you know, Brazil or Argentina or Chile, mm-hmm. Peru even. Um, yeah, and it's and it's incredible, incredibly diverse. In in some ways, the coast aside, um, it's it's you know, it, it's yeah. like a microcosm of South America as a as a whole. You can see virtually every landscape, um, you know, you want from kind of deserts to glaciers to rainforest to Lakes to mountains to volcanoes mm. to, you know, um yeah, kind of. It, it kind of has everything, and that and that diversity in landscapes is reflected in its people and in its cultures and in its languages and in its food and and stuff. And um yeah, I mean, I, I just think you know, I, I I was really lucky just to visit when I first did as a as a, as a backpacker, yeah. and I was very lucky to 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 work on the on the rough guide to Bolivia because that really opened up. Place to it, and and kind of yeah, and in it all the inspiration, you know, and my my love for the place, my passion for the place, you know, really, I tried to feed into the into the book. And the nicest, you know, I've I've done quite a lot of, you know, I'm always doing lots of book talks at uh, you know bookshops and events and that kind of thing. And and, you know, the, the the nicest compliment that I've had on the book is that a couple of readers who you know read it have said, you know, I booked I booked my tickets to go to Bolivia off off the back of it. And I kind of thought, yeah, you know, if if, if, I've inspired you to visit, I've I've done my my job, really, because, um, you know, and I've tried to be comprehensive in the book, but there's still areas that I want to to visit, um, you know, and that's that's the nice thing. So, um, so yeah, so I'm looking forward to going back at some point in the future, too.
1: Yeah, I think that's the biggest compliment you can get. If you just convince someone to go, that's it, you can't get any better than that. Yeah, and and for me, I always put it in people I, I get asked all the time if I'm on this podcast, but also on the guest other podcasts that you know top three, five countries that, that they're always up there. Bolivia's always in there because I just have a bit of an affinity to it. Even though I went to other places in South America, there's something about it that just uh caught me a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I'm desperate to go back. Uh, so I've got to figure that out, I think for sure. Okay. So we we talked a lot about Bolivia there. So I'm just gonna go towards like maybe towards you. Uh where can people find uh, your book and also where can they buy it and you know websites and social medias and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. So Crossed Off the Map Travels in Bolivia is available from you know all good bookshops. Um if you're struggling to find it, you can just look on my uh my website, which is Shafitmeji.com and I'm at ShafitMeji on all the social media sites that you can you can think of and there's um there's there's links to to places to buy it including some um if you're in the UK um some independent bookshops, which I'm always a big champion yeah. of, and yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. If you go to my website, shafamajid.com, you can see all my uh, latest latest articles on uh, you know and books and um, uh, and events and talks and that kind of stuff. So uh, yeah, I'm fairly easy to track down.
1: <laughs> I would tell people as well that if you go onto Shafik's website, I went in there this week, and you can just click on the numerous articles that he's written. Like honestly, there's like. We didn't talk about Patagonia today, unfortunately, I think, because I, I prefer to stay in Bolivia because it's a more niche uh, episode. But yeah, people can go on the website, click on all your articles and read them. And they're, they're just great because they give you an inspiration, an idea. And so many things you've written about, not just Bolivia, but also you've covered even UK travel at rainforests and stuff like that. That I was really interested in to touching on today, but maybe another time. Um, but yeah, so I would encourage people to go to your website. And do you do a blog as well?
0: Um, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't. I have done in the past. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't. I, I and, don't at the moment, just because all, all the other writing commitments uh, kind, yeah, kind yeah, of kind fair. of get in the way of it. But um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I, you know, I love. I, I, I write about travel widely, and yeah, there's a, there's a lot of focus on Latin America and South Asia. But um, yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a Londoner, so I do I do things close to home sometimes. As well, so uh, yeah, you can you can you can check it out on my my site, and uh, yeah, it'll be a be a pleasure to come back and chat to you about some of the other places, oh, including in Patagonia, which is yes, uh, one of, one of my to. favorite parts of the world, and uh, definitely a place that deserves its own um, its own episode.
1: we will do another episode on it, yeah. I'll, I'll hold you to that. And my final question before we get into the quickfire travel questions: What's coming up on the horizon? What have you got maybe planned for work or personal travel? Uh, what's coming up? Maybe I don't know if it's too late this year, but going into twenty twenty four.
0: Yeah so i i'm mean, i'm in the 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 novel situation of um of having a uh, a holiday you know and and oh, you know wow. many travel writers don't <laughs> go on holiday um yeah. but but you know we we write we write about the benefits of, of holidays and often don't don't do live live yeah. by our own words so i'm trying to do i've been trying to do that over the last few years so um so i'm going to have a, a holiday you know probably a week away somewhere in europe at the start of December, uh with, with with my girlfriend, but we haven't decided, you know, it's a bit of a last minute thing. We haven't decided yet. Yeah. So um so it's quite nice to have a bit of spontaneity yeah. about yeah. it. So it's not because normally my research trips are planned many, many months in advance. Yeah. So um so yes, yeah, so I'm kind of it, it will be some, some somewhere in Europe, but um hopefully somewhere we haven't been to before. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, a bit of a change of scene before um before uh, Christmas. And anything
1: in 2024 for like working wise? That, that you maybe can say, I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, so the, 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 I, you know, there's, there's a few places that I'm kind of I'm in the I'm in discussions, let's say okay. about about planning planning research trips. But I don't, you know, I'm I'm hoping to be back in South America as well, probably okay. not Bolivia, um, but um, yeah, kind of hopefully in in Argentina and um, or, or, or 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 Chile at some point. Mm-hmm. And I'm also hoping to visit Central America, which is somewhere else I always also write write about. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm hoping to hope to visit them in the let's say the first the first half of mm. next year. But um yeah, nothing nothing confirmed as of yet. Ah, oh, exciting times. That's cool. Okay,
1: I'm gonna put this the links in the show notes so people can just click on them and, and take a look. I'm just gonna finish uh some quick fire travel questions. I do kind of make these up as I go. It's travel question time. Uh probably ten or so, the more you favourite things. But as someone who's travelled a yes. lot, I probably give you two or three options. So you'd have to pick one. Um, I'm gonna kick off with this is a single answer. Do
0: you know how many countries you travel to? Not off the top of my head. I, I mean, I would say around 60, probably, but I mean, I would have to I'd have to toss it up. I'm glad, <laughs> yeah. Ballpark is 60. That's cool. That's fine. Mean. is sixty.
1: Yeah. And what about three countries of those 60? Uh, maybe apart from Bolivia, because we talked a lot about it today that uh, you would tell people that are your favourites in no order.
0: In no order. Well, Argentina, I used to live in Buenos Aires. I'm a huge fan of Argentina. Yeah. Uh, Nepal, ah. absolutely incredible, absolutely yeah. incredible place. Mm. Um, and uh, where, would the, where would be the other one? Well, I write a lot about Chile as well. So I'm gonna have, if I have Argentina, I have to say Chile as well. So <laughs> Chile, Argentina yeah. and Nepal.
1: Yeah, three great countries. Okay. And three countries you've not travelled to that's next on your hit list. Personally, not not with work.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the great pleasure of travel is there's always further to go. So, um, um, I would love to go to Central Asia, really. So the old Silk Route. So oh yeah, If, okay. if you if, if allow me a region rather than a country, I would go for the the old the old yeah. Silk Route. Um, yeah. and the same with West Africa, which I haven't spent any time in at all. Mm-hmm. So I would love to go to you know, somewhere like Sierra Leone. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Kind of very 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 under traveled. There and um yeah well I mean that's that's I could I, I would say China as well. I've oh. been to Hong Kong, yeah, Macau, yeah. but I've not mm. been to um to, to the rest of China, so um that's probably enough to keep me keep me yes. busy for the, so, for the some f- areas in yeah. future.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, what about three top favorite cuisines on your travels?
0: Oh, okay, good question. Indian, mm-hmm. Mexican, hmm it's going to be a tough one Look, it would be boring if i said french or italian or anything anything like Especially that italian, so yeah. Go, <laughs> yeah. yeah so you know I'm, I'm sure i'm sure lots of people say that so yeah. I was, you know i'll go i go with some uh, two argentine dishes rather than the culture yeah. at all okay. so so the asado which is the classic steak barbecue yeah. so so that on a on an estancia on a ranch somewhere in the pampas mm-hmm. and ice cream in buenos aires and ah. uh, yeah, so that so that part of Argentina, Mexican food in general, Indian food in general. Yeah, Mexican and Indian
1: in my top three as well. Okay, what about one city in the world you can drink coffee just for an afternoon and sit there and watch the world go by? Where are you going to sit?
0: I'm I'm going to cheat and I'm going to give you two. Buenos yeah. Aires is one of the great yeah. If I say that yeah. places, um, but somewhere uh, that I visited on a holiday early this year um, was uh, the Italian city of Trieste great city really really interesting city also um yeah so fascinating place uh, birthplace of Illy coffee as well yeah, yeah. So, so there were some great coffee shops there and kind of the Viennese mold so uh yeah I'm gonna cheat and go for those two. Oh, interesting okay
1: if you could pick one country in the world to live for a year and you're gonna stay there for a year which country you're gonna live in you can't pick Bolivia <laughs>
0: yeah and I okay I won't I won't pick Bolivia and I won't pick Argentina, I've seen I did. I did. Not. Yeah. I did move there and live and, and live for a year. No UK um, either. No UK either. Well, no, that's yeah. I'm I'm happy to do it. you know in in South the, the, somewhat like you know Colombia, which I spent some time in, mm. but I would like to spend more time time in just because it's such a diverse country. You know, from you know the rainforests of the the Amazon to mm. the Caribbean coast to the Pacific coast to the you know to the Andes. Um, so I had a great time there, really, really interesting. Place, so I'd like to explore it more. So uh, yeah, I'll say, I'll say Colombia. Okay. And top three favorite countries that has the best
1: coffee to drink. Uh, you can you can label them in order or not order. It's up to you. But uh, I'm a bit of a coffee drinker. So I'd like to know which countries on your travels have the best coffee.
0: Best coffee. Well, I am going to have to include Italy, which is the obvious yeah, of course, choice at this, this point. Yeah. So um, uh, Costa Rica. Fantastic, mm. fantastic coffee, yeah. particularly. Um, um, give a shout out to Finca Rosa Blanca, which um makes absolutely wonderful, wonderful coffee, a lot of uh on volcanic soils. Yeah, yeah, so those two. And um, well, it may be because it's fresh in my mind, but I, I was I was speaking at an event in Vienna recently, and oh, yeah? uh, Viennese is famously good for its coffee houses, Dreamy. and um, yeah. You know it's 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 not a surprise like 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 uh like italy but yeah the coffee houses are sensational so uh, yeah i'll go for them too okay and what about top three favorite walks or hikes or trails ah okay good uh first one easy is the there's in puerto williams which is the southernmost city on earth in chile in tierra del fuego there's a hike from there up to a hill called Cerro bandera Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the start of the Dientes de Navarino trek which is a sensational wilderness trek but this trek you can do up and down in a day on your own and you uh, in one direction you view the Beagle channel and the other direction mm-hmm. you look at the uh, uh, these incredible snow-capped mountains and lakes and and scree and pretty much if you're looking south from that point there's probably no one in between you and the South Pole at that point so that will be one of my favorite yeah hikes um not too far away but you know the the hikes in Park National Los Glaciares in in Argentine Patagonia Mm -hmm. particularly from the town of El Chalten um are great so so the Laguna de los Tres Trek for example is is a great one that you can do on your own um and um yeah that's that that's really good the other you know the other one I mean if you're going to ask me to pick my favorite Nepali trek, I think you know yeah. I'm going to be wrestling, wrestling with myself all, all 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 day but you know a trek in the Annapurna foothills perhaps okay. yeah. you know um not necessarily the Annapurna circuit but kind of mm. those ones are really accessible ones if you just want a bit of a a bit of a, a bit of a taste I would love to do the Great Himalayan Trail which goes you uh-huh. know the length of the country so um so if I can get someone yeah. to uh fund me that then um or to commission me to do a long a form piece on that then um then uh yeah i'm, I'm sure that would be my favorite but yeah th- those those would be one of the ones i'd give a shout out to
1: well i met someone i met two i met a couple of guys doing it this year in nepal they hit into a problem they got to Langtang. and in langtang. they got to langtang uh just up kunjung gumpa which is like one of the highest places you get to mm-hmm. the Langtang valley and then gonna got make the, uh, the pass and it, it snowed overnight which they weren't expecting and the past they were advised was, was going to be closed for a week because the, the weather was pretty bad. So I couldn't believe it, but they they just hiked all the way back to Kathmandu. I'm like, can't you just stay here and just like, wait? They're like, nah, we'll go to Kathmandu. We'll, we'll take a rest and we'll go back again. But because I'm not much of a hiker, the thought of like, hiking four or five, seven, eight days to Kathmandu from there is huge. And yeah. they are going to come back again and do it again. Like these guys are crazy. But I think one was from Bangladesh, one was Nepali, a uh, great couple of guys. Get bumped into them on the yeah. on the trail. Yeah, just I I didn't really know much about it until I talked to these guys about what that what that trail is. But yeah, that'd be great if someone could uh, commission you to do that sort of uh, experience. But that's quite long, as though that's, that's that's a fair trek.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not sure how long how long it would take how long it would take. No, and <laughs> and, and, and as, you, as as your story says, I mean, you've got to be you've got to be you've got to have some yeah. flexibility because yeah. you know, snowfall can close those high passes. You know, in a moment's uh, you know yeah. in a moment. Um, so, yeah, if I can take it, yeah, maybe I need to take out another gap here <laughs> yeah. to do that.
1: Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Uh, what about three countries from a backpacker perspective that are best for the budget that you've experienced?
0: Uh, okay, interesting. Well, you know, Sa- Southeast Asia is obviously, you know, mm. a, you know, a classic, a classic backpacker. You know, it's been the backpacker destination for, you know, decades, decades yeah. and decades. <laughs> I love Laos. Now, Laos often yes. and other places often overlooked. Um, but that's both very good value and an incredible place to to visit. So i I would definitely urge anyone in in that part of the world, you know, to you know Cambodia, you know, Vietnam and Thailand, obviously you've got loads, loads going for them. But Laos are really, really interesting place. And you can still, you know, get off the, the beaten track to use that horrible cliche mm-hmm. a bit to find areas that are, you know, far less, far less touristy than you'll find in the neighboring, the neighboring countries. Uh, Nepal will be another place to go to because yeah. it's very very cost effective um again it's one of the great you know it's one of the great backpacker countries on earth if you love hiking obviously it's great but it, it is much more to the country than that um yeah. you know particularly on the, in the south so if if you can go on safaris on a budget there so the the, the southern lowlands which border in what you know Chitwan and Bardia as well Bardia mm-hmm. if you've got a bit yeah. more time for the one one horned rhinos and wild elephants Mm. tigers if you're lucky Um, yeah if you're lucky (laughs) if you're lucky and yeah it's it's very cost-effective there's a great you know there's loads of great places to to stay the food is really good um and yeah there's a great there's great traveler scenes um across that so you asked for three didn't you so i have given you i have given you two you're going to Nepal um you know it's really easy to tie into India as well and so on any visit you can only ever get a tiny taste of taste of India yeah um but uh yeah if, it's it's again another great cost-effective uh backpacking destination and uh yeah if if you go and give a particular shout out to the Northeast which is often overlooked really really interesting the seven sisters the seven sisters oh, indeed, okay. yeah. yeah so um so again great mountain scenery mm. um yeah really really interesting culturally different types of food. Different perspective on on India, and yeah. um, by and large, you're not going to see many other many other travelers. So, if you really mm. want to see places that are, you know, as I say, overlooked, slept on a bit, but have a lot to offer, um, yeah, I'll give you Northeast India,
1: like the untouched part of uh, India, really, isn't it? That's a
0: yeah, definitely and, a and, place I on my list. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Assam is the is the state Assam, that people yeah. of the seven states that people know, but um Arunachal Pradesh. Uh, yeah. the land of the dawnlit mountains. Nagaland is, is Nagaland one. Nagaland is there. Yeah. Um, Meghalaya, um, Meghalaya, which yeah. Um, yeah. which has two of the wettest places on earth, mm-hmm. there. Which um, you know, maybe for British people that's less of a novelty. But, um, <laughs> yeah,
1: and for Vancouver people as well.
0: Um, but yeah, they're very yeah. they're very varied. Um, it's a different side of India. There's very you know, it's and, and absolutely spectacular scenery. And Arunachal Pradesh particularly, mm. um, yeah, an incredible part of the world okay two questions
1: left and then I'll let you go the next question might be a bit, bit of a surprise to you is there a place you didn't like or you had a bad experience
0: yeah it's funny again it it, it it's well, I'm sometimes asked this and I kind of it, it, there's nowhere that I really the, the place that I haven't really that haven't really clicked with yeah. me I mean I haven't spent a lot of time in Dubai but Dubai was you know the the day that I spent there was not my not my favorite day but it, there's there would definitely be parts of it that I would enjoy that that would be interesting to explore I spent a lot of time in you know rather grimy border ta- border crossing towns mm. in between India and Nepal yeah uh, um they've not been much fun <laughs> not necessarily, you know border border towns yeah always a bit like that but um. You know, I'm not in a rush to go to 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 do only the land crossings from from India to Nepal or vice versa. Fair put it like that. That's a fair point.
1: Okay, and the last question is: if someone's listening right now who's maybe a bit nervous about going backpacking or going to a country for the first time or even international travel, is there a few words or senses of wisdom you could maybe advise them that they should take the leap and, and get out there and, and go and travel?
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm a huge advocate for. um for backpacking for traveling independently you know I definitely understand that it's it it can feel a bit daunting and particularly if you've never done it before or Mm. if you know you're coming to it maybe a little bit later it late later in life um but it's an incredible you I think everyone should travel independently um at least once in their life because you know actually you you get a much richer insight into um into the places you're visiting Invariably, people are really friendly. There's always, you know, traveler communities in almost everywhere that you go, there'll be lots of people in the same boat as you, Mm. who, you know, who will, you know, who you'll meet on the road, and you're more likely to meet if you're traveling on your own, or if you're traveling in, you know, in small, small group than if you're going on an organized organized tour. Um, You know, don't get hung up on safety aspects obviously there's you know there's there's safety things to take into account in various parts of the world but don't don't let it don't let it put you off um and take the plunge and you know and while you're away it can be difficult but you know just talk to talk to other travelers talk to local people um you know just get used to if you if you can try and get used to doing that you'll have an incredibly rich experience You know you'll make friends for life meet your partner possibly you never know lots of these things happen but you'll have these incredible connections and you'll definitely have a a much much richer insight into it so try not to feel daunted there's lots and lots of um reliable information out there so you can go for for forearmed um but yeah kind of take the plunge you you definitely won't regret it you know you can as, as close as i can give you to a guarantee you won't regret it well, that's awesome.
1: Uh, Shabik. thanks for coming on to the podcast. It's been a great chat. I'm actually glad we've done a Bolivia one because I was you can sometimes just dip into places and I'd talk about Patagonia and Bolivia and we could have gone to Rio, we could have gone to UK, I don't know, but I think it's more uh, defined if we'd st- stuck on Bolivia because you obviously wrote a book about it and you travelled there extensively and I've done a bit there as well. So I think it's been a great chat about Bolivia. I think people get yeah. a lot out of this if they're thinking about that as a country to come to. So thanks for coming on.
0: Oh no, no, my absolute pleasure, and you know, it it, it it's it, the best thing with these is always when it's like a free flowing chat, as it was with yeah with us today, and yeah, you know, there's, I mean, I, I can talk 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 for Bolivia about Bolivia, so um um <laughs> yeah, so I hope yeah hope hopefully it'll be you know hopefully that will be useful and it will encourage some uh, some 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 listeners to uh to plan their own plan their own trips and maybe you know maybe if they need some reading material on their trips then um yeah. Obviously, there's a, there's a book out there that they, can, <laughs> that they can take along with them.
1: And don't worry, that book will be in the show notes and
0: uh, available to, <laughs> to purchase from all good and bad bookshops. So um am sure people can access that. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. No, no, my absolute pleasure. Thanks for inviting me on. Get me back on to talk about Patagonia another time. There'll be a all Welsh rainforest or, uh, you know... Um, islands in essex (laughs) or or, Uh, whatever i saw that one yeah whatever whatever you like
1: (laughs) take care take care see you later all the best thank you for listening to my winging it travel podcast episode today you can find me on instagram at james hammond travel or winging it travel podcast you can search for both i release weekly clips of this podcast episode as well as photos from the last eight to ten years of my travels You can also follow me on TikTok, Facebook and Pinterest by searching Winging It Travel Podcast. I do release daily content to do with travel and the podcast throughout the week. Also check out my website, jameshammond.org. There's content about myself, my travels, and there's also a newsletter sign up as well as a contact form. Finally, please rate and review the podcast on Podchaser. This is my platform of choice. Alternatively, you can rate this on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts from. This really helps the podcast gain a bit of traction for the future in terms of guests and content. And I'm glad to see that you guys are listening out there, reviewing it and enjoying the content so far. Stay safe, stay humble, keep listening, keep traveling, and I'll catch you soon. Cheers, James.